This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. We're continuing our sermon series called Detox, and we're going through uh, a letter written by a man named James, who was Jesus' half-brother, and and, uh, we're going to be looking at James chapter 2, beginning at verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Or suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You you foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, I pray that you would open up our hearts to hear your word, that you would make us willing to receive what you have to say, that we would receive it, and that we would let it change our lives. Lord God, we can't live a life of good deeds, of of loving people, of action without your power. And so empower us, Holy Spirit. And don't let anything I'm doing get in the way of your kingdom. In your name we pray, amen. I have a confession. You know, a few years ago, that that ALS challenge, the, the ice bucket challenge, where you dump the bucket of ice water over your head, and then you take a video and you share it, and then you challenge a few of your friends. I did that. But I have a confession. I didn't give money to the ALS fund, at least not at first. And I found out that I am not the only one who did that. I was doing some research and and the BBC, according to them, they, they said that nine out of 10 people who participated in the ice bucket challenge to raise money for ALS, nine out of 10 people didn't give a dime to the ALS fund. 
Now, over time, my conscience caught up with me and I gave money to the ALS fund, but it makes me think, what good is it if someone claims to want to help this ALS organization, if you claim to want to do something like that, but you actually don't follow up and support it? What good is it to, to make this show of, of dumping water and had claimed to be a part of this and not actually follow through? It showed a lack of integrity on my part. It showed a lack of honesty. And actually that way to live is toxic. To say one thing and then to do something else. But that doesn't just happen in charities. It happens all over Christianity. And that's why we're continuing this sermon series called Detox. We need to confront some hard truths as we read a letter written by a man named James. He was Jesus, actually Jesus' half-brother. Mary and Joseph had other children. And James wasn't a believer at first, but after he saw his brother rise from the dead, he became a believer and the leader in the church. And preaching through this letter written by James is on one hand, one of the easiest books of the Bible to preach through because James, you can tell he hung out with Jesus. He's a master preacher. And so throughout this letter, like every section is like a perfect mini sermon. There's thought-provoking questions. There's really vivid illustrations. There's biblical examples. It's so, so clear. And it's all right there for the preacher. It's a text that basically preaches itself. But it's got to be one of the hardest books in the Bible because he speaks in a way that exposes our hypocrisy. He speaks in a way that exposes our lack of integrity because he wants us to detox from that way of thinking, to be different than the rest of the world. And so let's jump into what James has to say in this opening section, uh, chapter 2, verse 14, these challenging questions. He says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? What good is it to claim all these things? I know this biblical information. Oh yeah, of course I'm a believer. Uh, claim lots of things, say lots of things about faith and religion, all that, but don't follow it up with action. He says, can, you, can that kind of faith save you? And the way these questions are worded, especially in the Greek, he's expecting us to say, well, of course that kind of faith doesn't matter and that's not enough. And of course that's not saving faith. And he's kind of baiting us into to answer that way, but he knows that we don't want to answer this question because it's so challenging. It, it gets under our skin. It, it's so raw. And so he follows up with an illustration to make his point go even deeper. He says, all right, well, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food if one of you says to them go in peace keep warm and well fed but does nothing about their physical needs what good is it he wants you to kind of picture a mid-february uh, evening in in wisconsin when it's freezing and 
and a friend comes to your doorstep and knocks on the door and their light, their electricity has been turned off and they need food and they don't have warm clothes. He wants you to picture saying to that person, be warm and well fed. And then closing the door and not doing anything about their physical needs. And he's asking the question, what good is that? What good is it to just claim and say these things? It might be true. Yeah, that's the right thing to say. That person needs to be warm and that person needs some food. But if you don't follow up your words with actual action, those words are empty. And so he goes on to say that's how faith works. Verse 17, in the same way, faith, if you understand faith by just these words you say, faith by itself if not accompanied by action, it's dead. It's empty. It's useless. It doesn't help. Now, James is a good preacher. And like I said, it's a tough, he's a tough preacher. He's a good preacher. And so he's already anticipating uh, our pushback, our questions, our, 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 our struggles with what he's said so far. And he anticipates that we might want to debate with him a little bit. And so it's like he pictures a theologian, this really wise, uh, Bible-smart person coming into the room and, and saying something really profound like, but someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. And so he wants us to picture somebody coming in and, and putting faith and deeds in these two opposite or non, uh, two categories that are separated. All right, somebody says they have faith and then somebody else, they have the gift of deeds and to try to separate them into different categories that don't touch. It reminds me of a, of a conversation I once had. Uh, somebody came up to me and said, you know, pastor, don't worry about me. Don't worry about me, pastor. Um, I grew up in the Christian church. I got baptized. I was confirmed in the church. I know all of that stuff. I know all the faith stuff. I, I don't need to practice it today. I don't need to, to do anything with it. I already know it all. It's all up here. If you gave me a, a Bible quiz, I have so much religion stuffed in my head, I'll be just fine. But James responds. He says, okay, if that's the way you look at it, show me your faith without deeds. Show me your faith, all your Bible knowledge without living it out. And I will show you my faith by my deeds without saying a word. I'll show you what I believe by how I live. He says, you believe that there's one God? You know all that theological stuff? You, you, you went through confirmation and grew up and went to that, maybe that Christian school? Or you have all that knowledge in your head? He says, good, that's, that's good. But if that's all it is, even the demons believe that and shudder. The devil knows the Bible too. And he's afraid of God. I told you, he's rough. James, he just, I, by now we're kind of like, okay, James, we've heard it. We got it. Let's move on. But he's not done yet. <laughs> he, he wants to keep exposing um, our hypocrisy and our lack of integrity. He, he actually comes after us even more. He says, you foolish person. 
Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless, empty? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? Now, James knows his audience. He's, it's very clear at the beginning of this letter that he's writing to Jewish Christians. And Jewish Christians would have been raised on Bible stories, especially stories about their father, Abraham. Abraham, the father of the Jews, the father of the Hebrews, known as the father of the faith. And, and very often when you think about Abraham's life, he did not put his faith into action. Pretty embarrassing stories about how he claimed that his wife was his sister and allowed his wife to be taken away by Pharaoh in Egypt. Embarrassing stories where he lacked faith that God was going to provide a child. And so he slept with his wife's maidservant, Hagar, and they had Ishmael. And so he, he lacked faith, and you could tell that by his actions, or his faith was very weak. But then in Genesis chapter 22, it says God tested Abraham and gave him one of the strangest commands in the whole Bible. The Bible says that that the Lord said to Abraham, take your son, your only son, Isaac, the one you love, and go up to Mount Moriah and sacrifice him there. What? But Abraham did what God said. He went up Mount Moriah and followed the Lord, took an action, walked, took an action step, even when God himself seemed to be his enemy. Now, of course, when they got to the top of Mount Moriah, which is the same mountain, basically, that Jesus was crucified on a few thousand years after Abraham, when they got to the top of the mountain, Mount Moriah, God provided a ram to take the place of Isaac, but it already gave him an opportunity to not just say he believed with his words, but to put his faith in action. And James makes another comparison. He talks about Rahab, the prostitute. He says, in the same way, was not even Rahab, the prostitute, considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? You know this story? It comes from the book of Judges after the time of Moses. Uh, Joshua was to lead God's people into the promised land. And the first city that they were going to enter into and, and, and go to battle with was Jericho. And so they sent in spies to spy out the land. And Rahab saw these spies, knew they were Israelites. And she had heard the stories about Israel, heard about their God, how God carried them out of Egyptian slavery, how God was providing for them in the wilderness. She heard about that and she believed in the Lord, Yahweh, the God of the Bible. And so she hid them and sent the people who were looking for these spies, sent them in the wrong, a different direction. Now, obviously, Rahab the prostitute had not lived a perfect life, and yet she had an opportunity to put her faith into practice, to show what she believed by what she did. She wasn't saved by what she did. She, again, she had both Abraham and Rahab did not live perfect lives. They weren't saved by their actions, but they had an opportunity to put what they said they believed into practice. And so James explains it this way. Verse 22 you see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. You see, for both Abraham and, and Rahab, 
their faith and their actions were not two separate categories. James says they were working together. Their faith fed into what they did. What they believed led into action. And he says their faith was made complete. And maybe a better translation would that be, be uh, faith reached its goal. Not that our actions complete our faith as if we're saved by our actions, but, but actions are the goal of our faith. When we put our faith into action, that's the goal. Faith reaches its goal in acts of love. And so James closes down this whole sermon with this very vivid illustration. He says this, As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. As the body, if it doesn't have a spirit, if it doesn't have a soul, it's not breathing, it's dead. And if your faith is just mere words and doesn't have actions, it's, it's also dead. What this all reminds me of is, is that, that when James looks at faith, he doesn't use it the way that we do. A lot of times when we talk about faith, you say, you know, I really believe in that. That's something I believe in. Or, or you know, I got, I got faith in myself or I, I believe in myself or I have faith in that or I have faith in my faith. And, and a lot of times it's just this idea of knowledge. This idea, I know some stuff about that or I think that's really great. But the way James describes true faith is closer to the word trust. When we trust in something, we believe it enough to trust in it. We believe it enough to act upon it, to do something with it. And that reminds me of the story of the great Blondine. Maybe you've heard me tell this story before. I just love this story. It just makes so much sense to me. The great Blondine was a a tightrope walker from the mid-1800s. And uh, he was known for tightroping across the Niagara Falls. And he got pretty good at this. Real good. And every time he would walk across there, he started upping the ante, making it harder and harder. So what he would do next is he brought a camera with him outside, out there and took pictures while he was on this tightrope walking over Niagara Falls. This is not made up story. This really happened. And not only that, then, then he came back and he was blindfolded. And then he would hang upside down and he would stand on his head. There is a story. This really happened. He took a stove out with him on the line when he was tightrope walking and made breakfast. And then the ferry that goes underneath the, the Niagara Falls, he fed the food to the ferry down below and walked back. That's how good this guy was. He proved that he was a tightrope walker and he could do this, you know, literally with his eyes closed. And so one day, as the story goes, there was a crowd of people on the bank. He's about ready to walk across on this tightrope. And he said to the group, do you believe that I can walk on this tightrope? And they all said, we believe. And then he said, do you believe that I could carry somebody on my back and walk across on this tightrope? And they all said, we believe. And he said, who wants to jump on? Nobody did because they didn't really believe according to the biblical way of belief. They didn't really trust him enough with their life to jump on his back. Well, not everybody. One day, the great Blondine's uh, manager, um, his name was Harry Colcord. 
he actually did. Here's a picture of him walking across on the tightrope with his manager. His manager didn't just believe in him like he was inspired by him. He trusted him and he jumped on his back and he walked through. That's what faith really is. Faith is not just this idea that we believe some stuff. Oh yeah, I'm a Christian. How do you know? Well, because I know a bunch of stuff. Faith is actually taking a step and doing things differently because you're a Christian that you wouldn't have done if you weren't a Christian. That that you believe something enough to put it into action, that you live a different life, you do things differently because you believe there's a God who loves you, who made you, who's organized this, this world. You believe in the God of the Bible and that leads to a different life. Well, how do you live this different life? How do you actually put this in practice? How do you believe and trust enough to be different? Well, that makes me think of something else that, that uh, the great Blown Dean said. You know, when, when Harry, his uh, manager, was on his back, this is what he said. This is a quote from what he said. Look up, Harry. You are no longer Calcord. You are Blown Dean. Until I clear this place, be a part of me. Mind, body, and soul. If I sway, sway with me. Do not attempt to do any balancing yourself. If you do, we will both go to our death. Now, these words sound so similar to what Jesus said in the upper room to his disciples in John chapter 15. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a person remains in me, you will bear fruit, you'll do good deeds, but apart from me, you can do nothing. And so I think what I could do is is take these same words and speak them to you as if Jesus was speaking them to you, okay? So let me speak these words to you and hear in these words the words of your Savior. Look up, my child. You are no longer who you were. You are in Christ. Until you finish this life, be a part of me, mind, body, and soul. If I sway, sway with me. Where I walk, walk with me. Do not attempt to do any balancing yourself. If you do, your faith will be as good as dead. You see, according to James, faith without works is dead. But also according to Jesus, faith without Jesus is also dead. The only way that we can actually do these good works that that God wants us to do to put our faith into practice is being connected to Jesus, to being on the back of Jesus as he carries us across, is depending on Jesus. So that's what we need to do. To put our faith into practice, we must depend on our Savior who loved us, rescued us from sin, and promises to be with us until he returns and resurrects our bodies. And so here is what I think Jesus is telling us through his word, and especially James in this reading. This is the takeaway. Live your faith. Don't just talk about your faith. Don't just claim to have faith. Don't just... Make it something you, you, you kind of talk about. 
about this head knowledge or where you go to church or, or what you did when you were a child. Or of course you have this, show your faith by living your faith, by the life you live. What would that look like? Maybe, for example, uh, the next time you hear something in the news, uh, instead of just reacting the way everyone else is reacting with fear or, or whatever else it is, ask, all right, how does God want me to react? What does my faith lead me to do in this moment? Or what if you see somebody who's in need or hurting? Hey, think about the story that Jesus tells the Good Samaritan. Do you know that story? Jesus tells a story about a man who was beaten and left half dead on the road. And then a religious person walked up to this person and walked around on the other side because they were on their way to the temple. And then another religious person walked up to this person who was beaten and left half dead and walked around them and went to the synagogue. And then finally, a Samaritan somebody you would think would be the last person who would show love and concern shows us what faith looks like in action. He picks this man up, puts him on his donkey, takes care of his needs, takes care of his wounds, pays for his night's stay, put his faith in action. That's what it looks like. And so whoever God has put in front of you today, whoever is put in front of you today, you look at that person as a precious child of God that God created and you take care of them. Whoever's in need, Whoever needs your help, whoever is put in front of you, put your faith into action and help that person. Maybe we could say it this way also. Put your faith into action. Live your faith when you're tempted. I think for many, especially for men, there's a lot of advertising that, that is really trying to lure you into pornography and it's done in a way that, that continues to try to get you living a hidden life, lacking integrity. Next time you see one of those advertisements, realize that that is a message from Satan that's trying to destroy your life and especially your marriage. And call it out for what it is. Fight against it. Live your faith by removing yourself as far as you can from that kind of destructive behavior. Or, or maybe see gossip for what it is, destroying someone's reputation. You, and you, you hear the gossip going on at work and you want to get in there and, and chew on it with everybody else, but live your faith. I have a friend that he is so good at this. When he hears people gossiping or talking about other people, he just has this way of turning the conversation, changing it, keeping the group from talking about somebody behind their back. Live your faith in your words and actions and how you look at people. Now, I don't know how many of you did the ice bucket challenge. I don't know how many people here a few years ago, you know, did that, dump that big cold water of bucket of water on your head and shot a video and hopefully eventually gave some money to ALS, right? I don't know how many of you did that. But I bet many more of you, at least at one time, took the Jesus challenge. Where like Charlie, you had water dumped over your head in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You were baptized at one time and, and in that baptism, you were made a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And it was also a declaration to the world that you are a Christian. But now's the time to not just claim to be a Christian, 
Not just say, oh, of course I'm a Christian with your words, but now live it out with your actions. Don't just know God or claim God or or talk about God. Live your faith with the help of God. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, your word convicts us. Your word challenges us. And and we've been exposed all the ways that we've lacked integrity in our lives. And so right now, Lord God, we bring to you and confess to you all of our sins. All of the ways that we have not lived out our faith as how we looked at people or treated people. And so, Lord God, Now, in your forgiveness, empower us with the Holy Spirit so that we would live a life of action, of love, of good deeds by the power of your Spirit so that our faith and our life would work together. We cannot do this on our own. And so now we abide in you, Jesus. We can't can't do this on our own. We can't balance ourselves. And so, Lord God, carry us through, lead us, empower us, love us. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.